Hi everyone, welcome to the Green Room. Uh, we're now on episode 21. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm James and I'm here with Nick, as normal. Uh, what is not normal, we've changed seats, we've changed our position, so uh, I hope that's not throwing anyone. I don't think I can cope. I know, James. I know. Are we the wrong size? Uh, we are, yeah. I'm, well, normally, no, I'm, I am facing you two to my right. But, okay, uh, fine. Just, I moved the fan in the picture uh, so that people wouldn't get thrown off. Fine. Feels um, a bit too cosy. In the so, yeah, so no, we've had, a, we've had a little switcheroo around. Um, but, uh, so today, as I said, we're talking about... Are you well, though? Are you okay? Yeah. No, you look yeah. well. No, I am well. Yeah. I'm like, you know why? Because the sun's shining. Yes. Sun's shining, I'm feeling good. Yes. Like life is a little bit better when it's sunny. How about yourself? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very Glass well. for me this weekend or not? No, not for me, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. What it's, were you doing uh, this weekend? Uh, what was I up to? Um, oh, the trade mm. show. Yeah. Oh, yes. I was, um, I was there with you, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> good, excellent. It would have been, been a worry. It would have been a worry, yeah. It was a memorable one. Um, no, it was good. The trade show is very useful. Yeah, good. Um, have you, have you, so we're on episode 21. Yeah, episode 21, yep. The, the number of ultimate spiritual transformation. So, so hopefully by the end of today, with the title of Renewables, we'll be at an end's journey. You know, well, hopefully not. Hopefully it'll be in episode 22. Hopefully it'll be episode 22. And, and the start of other renewable discussions about uh, energy sources, wind, solar... Fine. So, um, before we start, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, you can listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, uh, another one? Stitcher. Stitcher. That's where we host. Oh, Podbean. Uh, and Podbean. Podbean. Podbean is where we host our uh, And how do you podcast. can you find us if you ever forget? You go to our website, and top right, there's a button that says podcast. You click on it, and you can subscribe by any of these means. And if you would prefer to watch us, although not Harry, because she's still a little bit camera shy... Uh, you can go to YouTube and type in The Green Age or The Green Room and our channel will appear and there, there you'll be able to watch us. Uh, and I think that adds a little bit of something else, doesn't it? When you yep. get to see us. You know? Sure, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, right, where do we start? Next. So it's quite, um, quite a statistics-heavy podcast today. So we've That's really lots of percentages. I've got my calculator. Excellent. You know, so, the, so, the, so the sums add up, you know. Um, Good. We, we want things to add up, obviously. Uh, so we're going to start just to uh, we talked about this the, the other episode and um, and I, th- I think it was episode nineteen which was about nuclear power is that correct Harry yep. uh, and we, and I made a point so when we added the the solar wind and nuclear effectively fifty percent and over of our uh, energy uh, generation is is low carbon mm. um, but then that's obviously still the other fifty percent. Um, it's still heavily hydrocarbons and and sort of oil and, uh, and gas. Coal heavy. and gas mainly, yeah. Um, the good news is um, that now over a fifth of our energy generation is is through renewables, so solar and wind. Uh, obviously, when the sun's shining and, and the wind. Over a fifth. Yes, so it's over twenty one percent. What's over that, isn't it? And so, are we including hydro and stuff in our renewables, or are you just doing solar and wind? So, so solar wind. Um, just the reason that's poignant is because uh, we, we had uh, no, no, no. It's it's just we had lots of headlines about. Um, so, so what was it? Uh, um, t- two two weeks of uh, coal free. Um, we we had many many consecutive days, and then a, about a week ago there was a day of coal, which is right. disappointing. Yes, but we are back to zero percent today. 
However, disappointment is that still um, about 40 or we're over a third or 39% is, is generated by gas. Mm-hmm. Gas is a hydrocarbon, although um, kind of less, pollutes less than, than, than coal. Um, we are still heavily reliant on it for both uh, electricity generation and um, uh, central heating. And central heating, yeah, obviously in the winter, winter more. So gas does the most, right? So let's let's break this. Start going through the crunching the numbers. Mm-hmm. So more than well, thirty nine percent is gas, right? So that's more than any other. Um, that's the number that the government by two thousand fifty under their recently announced aims and targets mm-hmm. are looking to bring right right down to essentially nothing. Um, do we think that's feasible for a start? Looking at you both for comment. Uh, it's going to be tricky in, I think, in transportation. Um, maybe on on the kind of power generation side, uh, we could see. Obviously, we need. I'm I'm a bit more of an advocate for nuclear, so we'd have to see what kind of baseload power source okay. we'll have there. Okay. Hopefully, it is at low carbon um, generation so, source. So, do you want to explain that? Do you want to explain baseload intermittency? Before we sort of kick so renewables. So base load essentially is um, so no matter no matter what you do, um, uh, no matter how much electricity we need or we use, um, it's always going to be generating in the background. So for example, your your coal and your nuclear, um, apart from the weeks that we said we didn't on, on the coal power side, you know that we we turned off the coal fired power stations normally, three hundred sixty five days a year they are they are on and they are generating about a third. Uh, to thirty five percent of of the energy twenty four twenty four seven. So during the day, uh, we top that up because obviously in the mornings and, and during the daytime we go to work. Uh, we use lots of energy. Also in the evenings uh, when we cook, when we do do things, we lose lo- lots of energy. So then we top it up with gas, um, which is a stable source because we we sort of store it and we pump it as we need it, and which we're going to get to the intermittent sources, mm-hmm. uh, which are. Um, kind of depending upon what you know what conditions we are facing. So if it's sunny, we're going to be generating solar. If it's not sunny, no solar. If it's windy, like, wind, it's, yes, etc., etc. Okay, so so it's basically the stable background of which we definitely need to have is your nuclear. Yes, and mainly the the biggest thing is you just can't turn on and off a nuclear power station. Very difficult, yeah, because it's you know it um, takes a lot of time. Um, the same with coal, actually. I mean, coal, seemingly, you can turn on and off quite quickly. Mm-hmm. However, in actual real terms, it does take a bit longer. Gas, as you say, we can store it. It's very good. You can turn it on in the same way that people turn their heating on, and two seconds later, it's producing something. It's a very, very similar kind of story for gas power plants. But then we come on to the renewables, which is kind of what we're focusing on today. The the sort of... the environmental factors have to be correct to produce any power mm-hmm. so that is um that's kind of what the government are looking to push and so that will couple with energy storage which i guess we're going to speak about in more detail at a later date i guess and from a practical point of view we we're quite lucky the last two weeks or whenever it was when we didn't have to use the coal because we kind of had the right conditions for wind and it was warm and sunny enough for yeah. solar as well so so all our renewables are going full throttle yes basically at that stage um, but as you say, you know, if the wind isn't blowing at night, then the twenty-one percent of energy that came from wind and solar last year just doesn't do anything. It doesn't help us. Yeah. So um, then going back to what you said is quite interesting. So on that twenty fifty target, mm. uh, the so so you very much we've concentrated on the um, how do you say the generate the, the generation 
sources. So, i.e., uh, what are we going to use to, you know, generate satisfied demand? Yeah. The, the other way to obviously get to the target is to use less of it. So uh, there's a statistic that Harry pulled up for us that, that actually since 2001 to 2010, we had a 10% reduction in the demand. So i.e. an increase in energy efficiency. Um, Things through like lighting, yeah. <clears throat> more efficient boilers. So all the condensing boilers have come in. Harry's looking. Well, there, there is um, another theory as to why our energy um, consumption has come down, and that's the idea that people aren't able to heat their homes because it's too expensive. Has fuel poverty gone up? Fuel poverty has, but they've, they've, it's, fuel poverty has gone up. I think genuinely the numbers have gone up. However, they have redefined um, defined yep. energy poverty, which means it captures a whole load more people. So the, the actual number, if you were to look in 2005 to now, the numbers are vastly different, but it's because they have this new definition. But yeah, so there's a, there's a few different reasons why people think that the um, UK, because the, the EU average um, drop in that last decade is 1% as opposed to our 10%. So a lot of people, there's a lot of opinions, um, our industry has slowed down um, over the last 10 years. I didn't see. I I kind of buy into that, but then you look at so if there's twenty five million homes in the UK, right, and we really started hitting cavity walls, what in the late nineties, mm-hmm. and we probably did six million of those properties between ten million lofts, yeah, between lofts. kind of two thousand and two thousand twelve. You know, we did the vast bulk of that. That's and I know that home energy isn't the only energy because there's sort of business energy and all that sort of stuff. You know, energies used by businesses <laughs> um, but if you can start if you massively decrease the energy demand there then obviously that's going to see a significant um, yeah. energy reduction and, and don't forget also in transportation has been a, a massive um, so, so we managed to get bigger uh, bang for a buck so in terms of um, on the diesel so the regulations have got more more stringent the, the, the kind of the engines have become more efficient in, in, in a sense that uh, we've got the advent of hybrid cars, we've got electric cars, mm-hmm. um, although probably the electric ones didn't really affect the 2001 to 2010 figure because, you know, as we talked about in, in, in a previous episode, they've, they've only kind of started to uh, really take off over the last few years. Yeah. But certainly, yeah, on, on, on kind of the, um, the the industrial fuels, mainly diesel, uh, the... Uh, the engines have got um, a lot more efficient, so so I guess they're using a lot less fuel for, you know, for, for the activities that they would kind of usually do, mm. uh, which has kind of played nicely into that kind of reduction of, of that target. So so that is so 2050 is it's going to be the combination of the two. Yes. Yeah. So it's reduction in energy usage, although I feel that that's the curve will probably begin to level out in terms of our downward sort of usage curve mm-hmm. of energy. Um, when, you know, because cars are now very efficient, it's going to be difficult to take them more efficient. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And a lot of homes are more efficient. You know, we go into businesses on a sort of daily basis and the swap to LED lighting, the LED lighting thing is massive it's in commercial really spaces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, makes a massive, massive difference. And, you know, I d- so things like that, they're all very, very much in place now. And, and don't forget lighting controls and smarter controls in businesses. So a lot of it's, um, you know, whereas before they'd probably keep the lights on 24-7, some of these towers. Now if you go to, and my dad actually told me this because he sort of, he sometimes drives quite late at night. So if you go through the city, 
you can see some of the big buildings they they, they turn the majority of the lights off whereas before you know they, they keep it on so yeah, uh, yeah it's, it, it's it's quite good uh, and you know a lot of the big companies have got um, big kind of energy management teams you know they've got ISO 50 50,000 and one whatever the standard is for energy you know constant energy reduction improvements mm-hmm. um, which you know which they have to satisfy one from a regulatory perspective but also it's quite nice for the for the shareholders as well yeah that they know that um, you know the companies are using the, the resources efficiently of which energy um, is, is, a, is quite, yeah quite no agreed one. agreed so I think what we're going to do now is, is sort of take um, the the different renewables in turn and talk uh-huh. a little bit about them, how they kind of work, what they do, what they add to our mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk about some of the arguments around them after, I think. So we're so, just going to sort of give a basic introduction and then go through. So let's do, let's do wind power. So wind power, uh, you've got two kind of major ways or, or, or major um how do you say them? so we got onshore and offshore uh, i don't quite how you call the categorization categorization of them uh so so onshore wind farms are essentially you know in, in an open space you'd see them you know as you're driving on a motorway uh hopefully spinning as they're generating the energy source and you tend to see more of the offshore ones which you probably are still see them for a motorway they're just in the sea <laughs> you see those yeah you probably yeah you see them um um Coastal, but I, I I seem to spot a lot of them as I'm you know flying back to the UK via, mm. via the channel. If it's a nice clear day, I can see them out yeah. out in the kind of North Sea, which is which is quite nice. Which do you think we have more of? Uh, I think we have more onshore. Um, onshore however, that's probably however the offshore ones generate a lot more power because they are massive. Ten points. It's about sixty percent onshore and forty percent offshore. Round about there. But offshore make more power. Yeah. By yeah. country mile. Mm. Yeah. Because they're massive. But the only thing, yeah, so the only kind of negative, well, there's probably a few negative things about um, wind power, but um, it's the, it's the transmission losses. So, because you've still got to get the electricity from the coast. Coast in, however, it is much more localised than a great big power station in the middle of the country mm. trying to ping power out. You know, if you have wind turbines all over, it is a lot more localised form of power. Mm-hmm. And the UK... You know, it's one of the best locations for wind power due to our... It's not just because we're UK-based. Would you use the word topography? In terms of the kind of the way the wind blows around the land, etc., etc. I don't know, James. Is that the right I, term? I, I, I didn't do geography. I did economics. So, <laughs> so probably too bad people to ask Yeah, about. Yeah, we're not just kind of, um, you know, uh, so just saying that because we're in the UK. Actually, yeah, you're right, because we, we're surrounded by coast you know whichever direction you mm-hmm. essentially go in so uh in theory there's a lot of space you know where we can site them and, and build those offshore wind, wind and an wind argument you often make for hs2 yeah um is that you really want to keep the skill set yes in the uk which is why so we went from channel tunnel and then we went to the crossrail and yes. now hs2 so this yes. is i, I kind of I so like that. i think i never thought about it but and and, and and this this might sound a bit kind of controversial, and I th- I think the re well, it's personal opinion, but you know how they've delayed HS one. Sorry, I've had a delayed Crossrail by what? year and a half. Is it because they're not because ready on HS two? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. But anyway, the reason I mention that is um, because uh, obviously with wind power, you know, offshore wind, we are the leaders in the world. You know, we we're the big daddies at this, and so. 
I feel that you know we're they're only going to get number one bigger the wind turbines. I feel that we have the expertise, and when we go through Brexit, if it ever happens or whatever does happen, mm-hmm. these are the kind of trades that actually we can then go and export our skill sets. Yeah, which is quite nice. So I so I feel that wind turbine, you know, it does get a lot of support from the government. That's quite right, and I I understand that people will be upset by that. However, I still think there are something nuclear subsidies are enormous, um, and even for gas. And coal, etc. I mean, they're they're still there. There are still so subsidies. So offshore there. offshore wind is it is more expensive than onshore. But obviously, the more we build it, the more expertise we get, the more costs come down, yeah. and and the the, the, the cheaper it. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's but, economics for you. Um, but also, the, so as you make the turbine bigger, it it increases the amount of output by nine. I may have made that up. Might have to fact check that. But I think that's what happens. So basically what you're doing is every sort of little bit you're increasing is exponentially getting more wind. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're trying to make fewer turbines but make them bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, so that's why these things are enormous. And if you go and see them, if you're in kind of Essex where you can see these things off the coast, they are big. They're really big. But, you know, for us, as you say, it produces just under a fifth of our energy, mm-hmm. um, which is an enormous contributor the issue, as with all renewables, is it's intermittent. So if the yeah. wind's not blowing, you haven't got much wind. Mm. Sorry, you haven't got much wind. You haven't got much power. The um, and, and but but also when it's when it's generating too much, and um, in proportion to what the demand is from homes and businesses, yeah, then it just unless you store it somewhere, yeah, um, it just. Can't use it. Disappears. And it, but they, you know, the the bigger turbines now can turn their propellers. I guess you call them, and so they won't catch Fins. the wind. Fins. Flips, flips. Uh, propellers. Word. Propellers. Go back to propellers. The blades. Blades. That's it. Those wind turbines are owned by people who are expecting to make money off them. And so they want them spinning. So so they want them spinning. So the government have to pay them not to spin. So they have to pay them to you know turn yeah. their turbines or whatever. So we lose money. On having such, but but this is this so this is where the problem you have, and this is where we start the first issue arises that we'll talk about. But it's this intermittency thing versus your kind of base load power that is producing all the time, a hundred percent. So nuclear is producing power all the time, right? In an ideal world, you'd scale that back to eighty percent as it's on a windy day, to you know to make the to make up the power for the grid. But we can't seem to do that. So the nuclear will just keep running 100%. And the wind turbines, as you say, they will either stop them spinning uh, or we will have to store that energy somewhere. And that's probably something for the future. Um, but anyway, wind turbines, in hindsight, produce about... Uh, not in hindsight, in review. Produce about a fifth of our power. Um, the UK are world leaders in it. Uh, two types, onshore, offshore. Um, and offshore is a lot more expensive. And, Prices are coming down. And, but also what we've, what we've said is... so. Harry, you remember uh, in a previous episode, I think this was in the nuclear power episode, we were just talking about kind of relative scale and what you need. So if we were to 100% satisfy all of the oh, energy demand in the UK, we'd need to cover the North Sea by about uh, two-fifths yeah. in wind, wind turbines. So I, if, if that's the only energy source we had to rely on, that's how much we'd have to build. So yeah, so plenty. Be, it has to be a mix. What was it? Your, your man had a name, didn't he? Who was the guy that came out with this? There was a scientist. David Mackay. Good yeah, so that was in 2012, actually. I think that his figures are outdated. Really? Yeah. Because it's become more efficient. 
which we'll go on to. Right, solar PV. So the problem with solar PV in the UK is it's never sunny. Right, it is, right now we are basking in sunshine and this will last probably for a week and then summer will end and it will rain. I'm surprised, you know, we're in Wimbledon week or fortnight. So the first week of Wimbledon is always brilliant and the second week and, it but, to get rained but, off. You know, we, we, we just don't really have the perfect weather system for solar PV. However, when the sun shines, it's very effective and solar panels are becoming much, much more efficient as time goes on. We're producing with solar about 4% of the power with our, in, within our grid. Um, and intermittency is a lot clearer here because when it's dark, you've got no power. You know, the sun goes down, that's it. Um, and during the winter, especially when the days are a lot shorter, you're producing a lot less power. And so there is a real issue with, with kind of the supply of that. But power. this is where I think, so in the UK, where on-roof solar or really local solar, solar for your own use really works, but solar parks, etc., don't necessarily work because of what you've just said. Because then, yeah. you know, the winter, when you're not generating a lot, um, you're still going to need to transport that not a lot of energy that you've just produced. And do something with it. And it's not going to do much. So And the, and the, the issue is that it doesn't... If the well, basically, in the winter you're using more power because you're using more light and you've got heating. And lots of people have gas heating, but most well, lots of people also have electric heating, and lots of commercial spaces use electric heating. But solar doesn't help that because you're producing a lot more power in the summer, um, and so it doesn't it doesn't fit. The curves don't kind of overlap, and so it's not that useful. Um, that being said, if you have battery storage, and I think in the next probably five years we'll see a, a huge amount more people get solar pv installed and they will store that power especially if we use move to these time of use tariffs yeah. where you can sell that power you make so the power i'm making today at you know four o'clock on a on a thursday the sun is shining i can sell that power for a lot of money in two hours time i store it in the battery and then i sell it back to the grid and i think so it's going to be everyone is going to have their own little power plant on their house and I think that's going to become a really interesting thing mm-hmm. with solar. But we're not quite there yet, would be, okay. my, be my thoughts on that. But still useful to have a little bit of it in the mix. That, that's what we're saying. Yeah, well, 4%. 4% of your all of your electricity you use, or sort of all of the energy you yeah. use, is a massive amount, really. It's just annoying the way that it's so intermittent. Mm. Um, so that's my thoughts on that. So bioenergy. Um, so it's basically... Um, the way I take it is, is is burning organic matter, whether that is uh, plant based or or um, well, for, for example, uh, when you fermented it into like a, a biofuel, uh, burning it essentially, um, and then using it e- either as a as a fuel within within the transport itself, or um, you you use it within say power stations to then uh, you combust it to to generate the electricity like you do in a conventional way. But the way we... So it, it's not a renewable source, but it's sort of recycling carbon in, well, you, in so, cycles. So when it's when it's growing, when, when the biomatter is growing, it's taking carbon from the atmosphere. And when you combust it, it releases it back into the atmosphere. So, so it's drawing right. photosynthesis. Yeah. Photosynthesis. You, you it stores the, the carbon. Um, it uses the carbon as a fuel to grow. And so it stores this carbon. It locks it in into its kind of thank you for aiding me there um at the end of it so that's over a long period of time and then on 
you know, day 100 of this process, I cut down that bit of plant and I burn it. And it releases all that carbon back. Stuff that's stored during growth, it releases it back. So it is carbon neutral. The issue with this is, well, there are loads of issues with it. You're growing loads of crops, so you're cutting down amazing like forests to put in really quick-growing crops to produce this carbon-neutral fuel. Yeah. Well, that kind of defeats the object of going green. You know, mm. we're, we're removing... It's a little bit like the palm oil thing. You know, palm oil is used everywhere now, and you're cutting down loads of natural habitats to grow palm oil, mm-hmm. or to grow trees that produce palm oil. And it's um, it just seems that it's... I kind of get where they're going, but it's defeating the object. Yeah, and you're not, and then, well, actually, when you're cutting down all these forests and stuff, so not only are you cutting down um, resources that, that that sort of help with the environment and you know the, the photosynthesis process and you know bringing oxygen back into the atmosphere, um, but also forests and trees they, they they do quite a lot with storing water in the ground. So when you mm-hmm. take that off, you get um, is it you, what's the when you when the topsoil washes off. Is it, Science name for it, but don't know what, what word it is. Um, and then, so so you might get say a few cycles of crop growth, but then eventually, you know, the ground would so become unfertile, fertilizer, and yeah. then it would just become barren and, and a bit of a desert. And mm-hmm. then no one wins really because yeah, and I th- and I th- you know some of this, um, some of the uh, some of the wood chips, for example, I know are made in Canada, mm-hmm. and some of those wood chips are bought over to the UK. That's not very. Carbon. Right, so I've got a carbon neutral fuel that is grown in Canada. I then bring in a boat that's spewing out whatever it's spewing, diesel, I and guess. You burn in Tilbury, yeah. And then I burn it in Tilbury and it's green. I mean yes. for me that isn't green. So I, I think in some some cases, I think bioenergy is but, really but I tell good. You what, it's, it's useful to say so if you've got a biomass boiler and then you, you have a, a local wood chipping plant that's you know that's using it as a byproduct of something else and it they, depends and they, why they're growing it so on farms you know where they're constantly cutting down bits of trees and doing all that sort of stuff and they can take and burn that that wood you know because trees are naturally falling down they can bring it out and that's yeah. three days of heat I get that but you see what I mean if you're growing specifically to, to build to basically buy wood pellets because do you remember when about 2013, 14, when the RHI came out? Mm-hmm. And you could get a biomass boiler put in and it would cost you about 10 grand. And you could make about 30,000, 40,000 pounds back through the renewable heat incentive. Um, it was a very well thought out uh, government incentive, as per usual. And, and, the, and you know, the interest was enormous. We were mm-hmm. getting, probably not hundreds of calls a day, but we were getting in the tens of calls a day. But it's amazing. It wasn't calls like, oh, you know, what can I do for an environment? It's more like, yeah. well, how much money can exactly. I make? Exactly. <laughs> I want to buy my spoiler because I've heard I can make tons of money. And and that just completely defeats the object of what we're yeah. trying to do here. Yeah. So I'm, I think in in very few cases, you know, I, I think bio, bioenergy, biomass, all of that stuff is okay. Um, but, you know, they've, so is it Drax nuclear power, uh, not nuclear, Drax coal power plant, or used to be coal power plant, and they changed it. It got converted into a biomass power plant. And so that's why, you know, on just suddenly one day, coal went basically to nothing and biomass just shot up because mm-hmm. they're swapping burning coal, which is the same process. It's still locking carbon in and it. it's still carbon that's been locked in from, you know, many moons ago. 
you're you're just moving that kind of process that's that was very it takes a huge amount of time to a really quick process where I, I grow something over the course of a year, knock it down and then burn it. Basically we need to plant more trees. Well And not cut them down. Not cut them down. Yeah. Don't use biomass. It's just rubbish. And lock the carbon I, in the ground. I think um for me I think bio bioenergy makes sense in um in a setting where you're naturally um creating those kinds of things. So if every farm was heating itself on a biomass system, mm-hmm. that would be great because they're creating loads of that stuff anyway. It's when we cultivate land and specifically yes, for to make and, it, yeah, and at the expense of something else, and then have to transport it and then process it, and then it's no longer renewable at all. So, 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 but McDonald's cooking all their food in lots of oil and then using that oil to run their vans, you know, it's a byproduct. It would be a waste product otherwise. That to me seems pretty sensible. But I'm I complete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they will turn cooking oil into fuel. Oh, brilliant! And I think it's so that kind of thing is really clever. I think the big thing in bioenergy is going to be from algae, and there, you know, if you've got a really quick growing algae, we used to have a little pond at home, I remember. And in the summer, the algae just went nuts. It just grew really, really quickly and took over. If you could, oh, we didn't do anything. We didn't want it there. But obviously, that algae really took, and it's vegetation. In theory, obviously, it's in water, so it's not going to burn straight yeah. off the bat. But you could dry that and burn it. I kind of feel that would be clever because you're not using that to do anything else. Is the, is the algae? Does that take carbon from the atmosphere? That's exactly the same. same thing. Yeah, which is did why they, you get all these massive. Didn't um, they say too much algae in in seawater is not good because it makes it all acidic or? Well, because it can take all the oxygen out yeah. of the water, okay. and then it will everything. So we need dies. so we need to do it on a controlled. Yeah, process. yeah. You basically have an algae farm, mm-hmm. but I mean that's probably a bit of a niche idea that I've just thought of just now. Patent I don't. It, I don't know if I'm going to get the investment Patent I'm looking for. I take that to Dragon's Den. Got a hundred hectare algae farm. Yeah, look at me. With pretty weird looks. Um, right, hydroelectric. Hydroelectric. Hydroelectric's cool. Right, so we've talked about base loads. So I've got this really kind cool of well. dynamic. No, yeah, that's that's cool. But you know the cool thing? I've I've been to Dinorwick. Have you? Dinorwick. 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 Is that how you say it? No, it's just Dinorwick. <laughs> Fine. It was opened by the Prince of Wales, I think. Okay, right, but let's explain what it is. Yeah. So, um, it's so a pump storage hydroelectric power. Plant. So this is what we're talking about now. So hydroelectric is when water just travels through, uh, essentially, well, a turbine and produces electricity. Right. So the Hoover Dam. Is a famous one. Yeah, very good. As one down. Oh, well done. Um, but the um, but pumped hydro is when so I've got all this electricity and at night and no one's using it because everyone's asleep, and I then use that electricity to take water from a reservoir down on the ground and I pump that up like five hundred feet or five hundred meters or whatever to a to a bigger reservoir much higher up. So I'm using kind of electricity to mm-hmm. turn turbines to pump the water up. So I'm creating a sort of lots of potential energy where this water is sat much higher in this reservoir. And then what happens is whenever on boils the kettle, and I always give Coronation Street as my example, but the half-time of the ladies' football World Cup, you know, in the final, everyone's watching. So, it's good, no? so they basically, they can turn a switch, and within seven seconds, it is producing power because all of the water in this suddenly high reservoir is mm-hmm. flying through the turbine into the lower reservoir, and they're producing loads of electricity that they can throw into the grid very quickly to be a very reactive source of power. Um, so to hit those random spikes in demand. Mm-hmm. And that 
is cool technology. It was, a, yeah. So it's, I mean, still is a brilliant piece of engineering. So if, yeah, if you, if you have a, um, they, they do kind of. Well, certainly when I, I was there, it was it was open to kind of visitors and education. So uh, I was quite lucky mm. to see the Norweg and, and the presentation. But exactly what you said, they they showed a demo of how uh, in the evening they just turn it on, release the water, and then literally within a few seconds it, it can power a city like Liverpool. Yeah. And, it's, and it is amazing. We've talked before, I think, about the one that they've got planned for up in Loch Ness, which is a, a similar kind of thing, but, but bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and actually, what's interesting, if you look at the... Um, uh, so basically, the government publishes their fuel mix every quarter. So where, what, for the last three months, mm-hmm. where our energy has come from. And if you, there's one um, figure that's minus um, two if we explore anything, but we don't. So um, the one figure that's minus is the pump storage. So I'm pretty sure it was 0.27% that we did in 2018 that went into pump storage and then we used it later today. So it'd be great if we could increase that. Yeah. But it slightly depends on, on, I'm going to say that word again, beginning with T. Topography. Let's go on topography. Um, We should look what topography means. Yes. Because I'm guessing. Uh, yes, however you might want to check check that out. But uh, what I was going to say is, you kind of have to rely on um, um, the right conditions. So, if a country like Norway, for instance, mm. produces a lot of energy <clears throat> through hydroelectricity and pump mm. storage, just because they've got lots of different mountain ranges. So, you know, they they can have that the high lake and the low lake. Yeah, and um, we don't we don't have that topography here in the UK. Um, yeah, but they, but but also. And this is, you know, one that I think the UK could become huge in. So, tidal energy, mm. which is it's not quite hydroelectric because it's tidal, but you're you're still having water moving through turbines. Well, we have the Thames that is massively tidal, and if you put and and the seven, you know, as they've talked about seven barrels for ages, they reckon if they had a turbine there, they could produce five. And the Mersey, they reckon they could produce 5%, just with the seven barrels, I reckon they produce 5% of the UK's energy, and you can predict it just like, you know, for the next 180 years when the tides are going to be. So brings, brings up the question, why did they reject the Swansea Tidal Lagoon, which was exactly that, was yeah. a massive project, and they... They, um, they scrapped it and really annoyed Welsh people. <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. And I, I completely understand it. I, so I think tidal is something that we're not going to cover now, but I think it's probably one that we can actually talk about in quite a lot of detail because mm-hmm. there's quite a lot on tidal that I'd like to discuss. Um, but there, to be honest, the three that we talked about really, wind, well, four, sorry, wind, uh, solar, um, biogas, bioenergy, and hydro, they're the main four that are really doing stuff in terms of renewables here in the UK. Um, does the bioenergy, does that include uh, anaerobic digestion and all that stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. I'll double check. Um, That's going back to my biology days. So it produces methane as a side thing yeah, and then they burn yeah. it. Yeah, it was one of the things that was available on the, uh, was it feed or, or renewable heat Renewable heat incentive. Heat incentive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, but I think that's what we'll do because we we've kind of rambled on a little bit but I think that's quite a nice introduction. Yeah, and into because we, we, we were going to originally talk about the controversies around well. some of this. Yes. Yeah, but I think maybe we'll do that as another one because we've talked for a while. Yes. I think on our um, if you're watching this, it's really I apologise because the camera's in a new position, so we've kind of been looking all over the shop here. But the camera we will position in a sensible place. 
Um, and so next time we'll be looking. I know you just can't take your eyes off me. No, I can't help it. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but but I think that's kind of it for this week. Um, I think the only there's a big announcement, which is uh, National Trust, National Trust this morning. So, so um, yes, they have. So so there was an embargo, but actually that embargo was lifted this morning because it's Thursday. It's because it's on the BBC. So yes. Cute. Got, uh, we, we, we're happy to uh, cover that um, so essentially they will divest the National Trust will divest from funds that are currently investing so they've got lots of assets mm-hmm. um, into um, the oil industry they've got loads of assets yes have you seen how much they invest lots of money um, I it's think lots. I think it's a, it's a nice thing they're doing but you know it's 2019 you know they could have thought about these sorts of things years ago Given yeah. what the National Trust does. No, I agree. I agree. But it's it's tricky when most of the country, the majority of the country, is powered by non-renewables. Yeah, but you know, there's, there's other kind of non-fuel companies that they can invest in. You know, but it's yeah, um, it seems to be kind of big news. I think I think it's um, not had anything else major, um, unless Harry can sort of correct me, but. Uh, Nothing, nothing major in the news, but I would say to um, to our listeners that uh, we're working with the BBC on a project at the moment, oh, yes. which is all about um, solar panels and solar companies. And if you're basically in the um, north of England, anywhere thereabouts, and you've had um, any issues buying, selling a house because of solar panels, issues with your solar company going bust, basically any problems to do with solar panels, then and you'd like to be involved in a BBC programme, then please get in touch with us and um, we will have a chat with you. You can give us a call or pop us an email. Um, I'll pop the details at the bottom of the uh, video and the podcast. Very good. Very good. Um, we also had a chap that we're going to be interviewing in our first interview on our yes. podcast. Heat um, pump engineer. So we've got the heat pump engineer. We have the other the other chap who's who's come up with a I don't want to say crazy solution <laughs> for our energy needs, but anyway, we we shall. <laughs> he may not come on there. I've said that. I'm, I'm, I'm all crazier well, than your algae farm. No, the algae farm's fine. I don't know okay. what you're talking about. Sorry, copyrighted. Yeah, big time. That's good. I think yeah, that'll be um. You know, when, when these yeah, when these chats happen with external people are quite quite fun to see the Agreed. Agreed. And also we'll get put in our place. Yes. And get called out for all the stupid stuff we say. <laughs> and, and you know, I have to say, and probably I mentioned it once, you know, I so these these videos that James and I do, we very often give our opinion on stuff. So mm. uh, I've I've got a strong opinion, you've got a strong opinion. Um obviously today it was all about the stats and figures, but you know, Amongst all that, it is it is an opinion. So if you've got a different opinion, do let us know in the comments below. Because um, uh, yeah, it's just nice to, to have the variety. interaction. Yes. Mm. Good. Um, cool. So I think that's it for this week. See you next week. Bye. Bye bye.